this out of the way. My screen to normal. There we go. Hey, we got her figured out. All right, race fans, Ryan Aho here and the one and only Bert Lehman bringing you episode 79. Bert, 79. You got a, you got a guy? I hope you got a guy this week. Yes. On the go show. 79. We're going to do this again. Who do you got? Who do you got? I got, I have Jerry Munster, who is still racing and he is in his 80s and he's still racing and still competitive. <laughs> Are you serious? He's in his 80s? I had no idea. Yes. He, yeah. Did he he's win like, one last weekend too? Eddie Munster won last weekend. His is, that, son. is that his kid? Or, that's his kid? Yeah. Okay. Yep. okay. Yep. No kidding. Yeah. He's in his 80s and still, yeah. I feel like a quitter, man. I like I, I quit <laughs> like a long time ago. I was nowhere near 80. Maybe I need to get back after this thing. I'm not sure. Yeah. We'll see I'm not exactly happens. sure how old. I, th- I think he's like 83 or somewhere around there. Man, that so. is awesome. That's, we got to interview that guy because I bet he's got some good racing stories. So I can't beat that, but I got Dale Carlson. Of course, his kid Kevin Carlson is 79 too, both late model guys. And, and Dale raced all the way through the 80s and up. And, of course, Kevin, uh, he, he's racing now as well. So that, that's number 79 there. So pretty cool stuff. It's kind of fun doing that. Brings you back in memory lane a little bit. In fact, we should post a picture or two of them old cars. So get me a picture of him. I'll post it up there for people to see, and I'll post one, of course, of uh, Dale and Kevin Carlson as well. So this episode, of course, brought to you by our friends over in Watertown, South Dakota, Dirt Track Supply, home of the Aero Chassis, be part of Aero Nation, um, Trackside Supply for several tracks. I think they're at Monty. I know they're at Casino. I think they're over in uh, Aberdeen as well. Ron and Trevor, great guys. They'll take great care of you if you need parts, if you need service, you need something fixed. Get a hold of them, guys. They do good work. And, of course, they're going to get in victory lane. Trevor kind of had a rough one there. He uh, he, he drew bad, Bert. If you were watching over a casino, Trevor always draws bad. Like, always. Trevor Anderson, like, is the worst redraw person in the history of redraw. He started in the fourth row. And then uh, I think his studs broke or whatever on the hub. He lost a tire, so it was a bad night. But I talked to him today. said, Aero Nation is going to be on the front row next week at the Casino Speedway because of the point average. So go out and make them pay. So get a hold of the guys at Dirt Track Supply. Great group of folks. And they do a lot for the sport. They help a lot of people out. And uh, just glad to be partnered up with them. So, Bert, let's start with over at, over in eastern Wisconsin. And we'll start with you. You know, I know you went to the races this week and in Shano, Plymouth, back in action. I know there was other racing going on. What happened over in your neck of the woods? Um, yes, I went. I was at the races this last week. And funny thing is, I mean, the previous weekend, I wore a short sleeve shirt the entire night. It was fine the entire night. This last week, I think I had, I had six or seven layers on. I mean, it was, it was it was chilly and the wind was blowing a little bit, so which so that made it a little cold. But uh, yeah, I was a little worried about um, late model car count at Shano because uh, there's a handful of drivers who made the trip to Mississippi Thunder uh, for the Outlaw race to try to make the race there. But I mean, they had 14 late models in Shano, so not too. I mean, not great, but not too bad. I mean, they had 14 in Shano and they're missing a handful of them. And I think there were 13 in Plymouth and there, uh, Taylor Scheffler wasn't there, uh, who's normally a regular at Plymouth. So, uh, but yeah, um, uh, you know, Nick Avlink was at Mississippi Thunder. So, uh, you know, he won, um, he won previously. So, uh, 
we had a new winner at Shano, uh, Todd Frank. Uh, made him and his son made the trip over, and uh, Todd Frank won the feature. Uh, Aaron Wickersheim was was second. So, I mean, one thing about when some of the top guys go race at a different track, um, you get you get to see some of the other drivers, you know, racing up to the fr- racing in the towards the front. So that's always cool. Um, but yeah, it was good to see Todd Frank back in uh, victory lane. Um, I mean, he deserved the win. I mean, Aaron Wickersheim actually jumped out to a fairly decent lead and Frank ran him down running a little bit higher groove and made the pass. And then after the pass, then it was all over after that. So, uh, so yeah, he, he got the win there and, uh, um, in Plymouth, um, I apparently Justin Ritchie doesn't like you talking about him wearing a bridesmaid dress because uh, he made it two in a row at Plymouth. So he, last year he didn't win any features and this year now, uh, you know, first week of May, he's already got two features. So uh, we'll see how many he can put together for the entire season. Yeah. I talked to both them guys, Todd Frank and Justin Ritchie. And he says, yeah, you kind of lit a fire under my ass a little bit with the power <laughs> rankings and the show. He goes, so we need to keep on winning for sure. And of course he's in the top 10 and the one to go show power rankings in the late models. Cause he's been running real well. Correction on that. I said he had second last week. Um, I think over at gravity party got fifth the one night, but he's, he's been solid a pair of wins for him. I talked to Todd Frank and I said, when's the last time you won? He goes, man, I barely raced last year. You know, I ran, you know, last year I felt like he was out hunting more than anything. I see big game. He's like posting mm-hmm. all kinds of big game. He's an avid hunter as well, but I think he won three features in 2019. So it's been a little while since he won. I said, how did it feel? He goes, man, it's good to be back in victory lane. He goes, I feel like we have something for Nick Anvilink when he comes back to town. So uh, <laughs> Todd Frank's calling you out. We're going to see if there's something for him. It'll be interesting to see this coming week. So, um, Bert, I actually, <clears throat> I went racing this week too, hey. And I picked a, a terrible week to do it, right? Because <laughs> it was cold and windy. And they say Illinois, Chicago is the windy city. You know, I was a little west of there, of course. I went to LaSalle to the Thaw Brawl. And I, I am very glad that I brought a hoodie. I'm getting soft in my old age, right? I'm getting really soft because I brought a hoodie. I brought a jacket. I was frozen. I was absolutely frozen. I went over there with a buddy of mine, Dave Dolchak, and doing a little testing. He doesn't normally run there. Different rules package, so we, it wasn't apples to apples what he was racing, but he just wanted to kind of get the feel of things before his home track opens at Sycamore. So I helped him out a little bit, had some fun. But they had the Thaw Brawl there, which was the opener for the Mars Late Model Series. And, of course, LaSalle, they really – it's been like three years or so since they ran weekly. You know, I'm not sure what happened. The I, the family had like a falling out, and they just said, "Heck with it, we're not running weekly anymore." So now they primarily just have specials. Well, the first night, kind of a similar deal to Boone. It was supposed to be a pair, like a, a pair of three thousand to win races, right? And then the next night was going to be twelve thousand to win. You can only have a pair of races if there's enough cars to have a pair of races. Boone learned that the week before. They only had like I think twenty one or something like that on Friday night. Now, now get this, Bert. Friday night, they had like 21 cars for 3,000 to win, okay? Saturday night, it's 12,000 to win. They have 17. One guy blew up, but my donkey award, my first donkey award, Rusty Schlink, is a cherry-picking little, I don't I don't even want to say. Like, 
are you serious? Like he literally left a 12,000 to win race to go drive somewhere for a thousand to win so he can get his almighty UNP points. What a pansy. Then get this. Then he had the audacity to text Tony Izzo say, you know, Hey, he said that you, if I came over, you're going to maybe help out with some tow money or whatever. Tony's like, what are you, dude, you left. Like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, I just don't understand racers, Bert. They put that kind of money on the line and they'll go race for a thousand to win for points instead of racing for real money. That, that just, I'm t- that grinds my gears. It literally pisses me off to no end. Racers, if you're watching this, if you're listening, I best not hear you cry and whine and bitch about low pay and then have you dodge the races that pay money. That don't even make sense. Why would you do that? If a race is paying money, if a promoter, and I don't care where it is, it could be the Thaw Brawl, it could be a Wasota track, it could be in eastern Wisconsin. These promoters, all of them, right, they ain't getting rich being a promoter. It just ain't happening. Get to that in a second, okay? But they they put their neck on the line. They put their time and effort on the line to get sponsors to try to put these big shows together to put money in your pockets, and you don't support it. What the hell is the deal with that? It makes no sense to me. I, I I just don't, it just literally frosts me Saturday. And I get the weather was a little sketchy, but they got the feature in. Bert, they had 17 late models for 12,000 to win. They had, and they were right down the road. A bunch of them went to Fairbury, right? And I think it was like two grand to win or 2,500 to win at Fairbury. It's like, what? And, you know, it's like, it don't even make sense. They're all afraid of, you know, Brian Shirley or whatever. Modifieds was a thousand to win. They had seven cars. Street stocks was 500 to win, which is pretty decent for a street stock. They had six. <clears throat> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Modified action. Uh, Mike McKinney was there the first night, and then he went somewhere else on Saturday because he thought it was going to rain. And I'm like, well, McKinney's going to win. But Alan Weiser, that's a guy that he runs a late model once in a while, too, and a mod. Runs at Fairbury Farmer City. He was impressive. He doubled up. He won both of them. The first night in the late models. The guy that I picked to win on Saturday, we didn't pick for Friday. I picked Ryan Unziker to win. He did win, but it was on Friday, so that was a day early for him. Um, wasn't all that good on Saturday. He got fourth, and Brian Shirley got out to the lead. I'm like, it's over. It's over. This deal's done, and uh, here comes on a restart. Garrett Alberson drove right around him, and I'm like, I'm impressed. So Garrett Alberson won. Shirley got second, and uh, – Third was Tanner English. He was there. And then fourth was Unziker. I think Jason Fager got fifth. He just not, I, I wasn't impressed. But pretty neat place, Bert. The track was really good. Um, they, they had some good moisture on it. It rolled up a cushion. There was a bottom. There was a top. It was pretty racy. You could move around on the racetrack. The mod race was really good. Um, the late model race was pretty good. But the crowd, now keep in mind, 12,000 win. You do the math on this, right? 12,000 win for the lates. So that had to be, I don't know, 20000 or better purse because they, they got to pay second act, right? 1000 went for the mods, and they had seven cars and six cars for the streets. They had 29 total cars for 29, I think it was, 17, 30. I guess it would have been 30. So 30 total cars because one guy came late. That 30 cars. I'm like, oh, my God, right? So we're here. We're complaining about car phones. That's 30 cars for some real money. I'm like, I'm like, what's the deal? You know what was worse than the car count? The crowd. There couldn't have been 250 people there. I talked to Tony Izzo, and I'm like, Tony, I'm like, 
are you hoping it rains? He's like, kind of. I'm like, why didn't you cancel? I mean, it was like 40 degrees. It was cloudy. It was kind of crappy. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, what are you thinking? He's like, and that's where Tony's a racer, right? He's thinking like a racer. He's not thinking like a business guy. Puka would be just like off his chain right now thinking about this. He would not be impressed. And it's like, I know you want to get the race in. We're all excited. We want to race. We get it. But I mean, at some point you got to look up. I mean, you just got to look up and you got to be like, there ain't no fans. There's no cars. It's cold out. It's miserable. I, I did the math on it just in my best recollection, right? Between the, the cars you had in the pits. And let's say that they, 30 cars, let's say that there was five people per person, you know, per, and, and basically let's say there was 250, 300 people in the grandstands. I don't even know if he had enough income come in to pay first place in all three classes, let alone all the classes. I mean, it was a bad deal. But I said, you're going to cut the purse? Because I've been to a lot of races where they say, oh, inclement weather, we're going to cut the purse. He's like, I ain't cutting the purse. I'm like, hmm. So kudos, you know, I don't know if I would have ran it. Like, I, We'll start there. I probably would have canceled the deal because it was just a disaster, right? The racing was pretty good. But the flip side of that, I'm going to give him kudos because he says, Ryan, if I had, if I was expecting a thousand people and 2,500 people show up, I'm not going to pay everybody more, right? I'm not going to pay them more. Hey, we had a way better crowd than I thought. You know what? We're just going to pay everybody more money tonight. In the history of racing, I have literally never one time seen that happen ever, ever. But on the flip side, he says, so when it's worse, I'm not going to pay him less. He goes, I raced. I know what it costs to get here. If I cut the purse, these guys ain't ever coming back. It'll be worse next time. So he paid the full purse, even though he took a bath. I, I don't even want to do the total math on that, but I can guarantee he took an absolute butt kicking. But uh, it gave me some perspective, Bert, on I'm really liking this live streaming. I really am because it's not 40 degrees and windy and drizzly in my living room. I can promise you that. And uh, yeah, that gives a, that gives a guy something to think about there. I know his races were on, uh, I think they were on flow on that one and you get a little bit of a chunk or whatever from flow, but definitely not enough to offset it, but definitely felt good to get to the racetrack Bert. but uh, let's get over to Wissota country. You know, did you get a chance to watch any of the Wissota races? I know you had a busy weekend. You had a lot going on with mother's day. Did you get a chance to watch any of that? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch any of the Wasota races. But before we move on, I just want to make a couple comments about the Thaw Brawl. I mean, um, I agree. I mean, he could have taken the easy way out and just canceled that that second day. Uh, the racing actually was really good that first night. I did watch that feature, and um, but I suppose part of what went into his thinking was the drivers are already there, so it's kind of hard to cancel for inclement weather when everybody's because part of the excuse promoters use for canceling early because of forecasted inclement weather is because you don't want to make the drivers drive there well if the drivers are already there you can't really use that excuse so uh but yeah kudos to him for paying out the purse i mean i know i've interviewed him several times because he promoted several lucas oil late model races up in wisconsin and um you know he tried his darndest to make those races work up in up in northeast wisconsin but they just well, they kind of worked at Oshkosh Speed Zone, but then uh, that track vanished. So uh, he tried at a couple other tracks and it didn't work out. So, but, but yeah, I just wanted to make those comments before we moved on. But no, I didn't get a chance to watch any of the Wasota stuff. I saw some of the results. I saw uh, the X Factor return to victory lane. 
uh, at Red Cedar. Uh, he wasn't there the first week, but he was there last week. And if I'm correct, the Red Cedar, they were allowed to have 25% capacity in the grandstand, if I'm not mistaken. So that was another good sign that hopefully um, they're able to work through some of these hurdles that they have to work through. <laughs> Right, right. Things are looking up. I know Minnesota, they announced with, you know, the vaccines, and I'm not going to get into all the political, but they it's projected around, I think, July 1st or something to be mask-free and 100% capacity on everything. So let's just knock on wood and hope it goes and trends in that direction. But uh, I'll get, you know, I'm not going to go over every single race because there was a lot of racing. I'm just going to touch on some things that really stuck out to me because, with Dirt Race Central, of course, watch DRC.TV. They're great supporters of our show. You know, they have a lot of sort of racing, a lot of local racing action on that you can jump on. You can watch the replay bird. I think it's only like 15 bucks a month and you can watch a pile of all, all this racing. And and what stuck out to me, the one of the races I was looking forward to, in my opinion, had the best program of the week the baddest bull ring in South Dakota, the casino speedway, they got it right. You know, it, it did kind of lock down a little bit at the end of the late models, but there was still some movement, but overall they had moisture on the track, top, bottom. There was some good racing to be had out in Watertown, Red Cedar. They had some pretty good racing too. Um, they were hustling on the high side, guys on the bottom, gal running the high side. We'll get to that in just a minute. And uh, Viking speedway. I think they had some pretty good racing over on the big half mile. Now, with that said, okay, so there was a few races that were good. Another donkey award, okay. I, I don't know how to say it without saying it. I, I just it, it is what it is. But I watch some of these tracks and, and I hear promoters say, Man, we just can't get anybody to support us. We just can't get any fans. We just can't get drivers wanting to come here. Jump on Dirt Race Central and watch your own racing program, and you'll see why quick, fast, and in a hurry. I mean, if it's bone dry and blowing dust in heat one, that's a pretty good indication that it's not going to be a good night. Okay. That's unacceptable. I mean, I don't know how to say it without saying it, but I mean, quit being lazy. Okay. So with that said, you know, there was one track that kind of went to the other extreme. Hopefully that's not a trend that they decided we're going to flood this thing. And it was just a greasy mess the whole night. But, you know, think about it this way, right? Why on earth? With the streaming platforms, online, all that, why don't these track prep guys, Bert, look online, watch racing? Like, literally, I'm going to watch as much racing as I can, and I'm just going to take notes, and I'm going to be like, that one was entertaining to watch. That track over there kind of sucked, right? It's like, you know, you can kind of see, and you can follow the feeds, right? You can look on Dirt on Dirt. They talk about, you can see the hype they get when there's a good race, and people are like, ooh, that one kind of sucked, right? It's pretty easy to see what people like why not just look and see which ones are providing better entertainment and then pick their brains a little bit, or at least watch and see what they do and do that. There's no, there's no excuse for a track that's bone dry, one lane, marbly dust hole every single night. It's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe they got to hire somebody different. I don't get it. It's painful to me. I love dirt racing. We all love dirt racing. That's why, that's why we do this show. That's why we watch the sport. That's why we go to the races. That's why racers race. And people say all the time, oh man, dirt racing so much better than asphalt. Not if you prep it like asphalt. It's the same thing. In fact, asphalt's better. If you prep dirt tracks like asphalt, asphalt's better. Why? Because it ain't a freaking dust bowl. 
you ain't going to get a dust bowl at an asphalt track. So if you're going to make it rock hard like concrete, just pave it and be done, right? And I saw it in people, drivers saying, I was one. I said this all the time. But racing is, is so much better. I mean, the cream rises to the top on the slick. When cars are going half throttle around the racetrack and you went faster on the freeway to get to the racetrack than they're going on the racetrack, that's a bad thing. Okay, that's that's not entertaining. The casual fan just does not want to watch that. Princeton Speedway, maybe they got it right, right? They canceled Friday. Why did they cancel? No water. I never heard of such a thing, right? They got a pond, evidently, that they get their water from to where they, they pump it out of there into the truck and then they cancel. I'm like, why on earth would they cancel for that? You know, that, that didn't make any sense to me. It's like, you know, people are like, well, they had to cancel. They couldn't get water. No, there's there's water. I mean, they might have had to pay for it, but we'll get a sponsor or two. Tell all the drivers, hey, if you want to race and it's an extra five bucks, let's, let's figure it out. Work with the city, whatever. But I feel like they didn't try. Sounds like they have that rectified for this week. They have a solution to that problem, but maybe they had it right because maybe, I don't know, maybe some of these other tracks that raced, Maybe they had a water shortage and that's why it wasn't watered, but it was just, uh, it was, it was just absolutely terrible. Now the streaming thing, Bert, I, I honestly legitimately think that's a good idea, right? In, in fact, with soda, they have this thing called a Wissota pass, right? So every promoter is given two Wissota passes. And I think each of those passes, you can have two people per pass. So that way you can go to other tracks, right? So like in Grand Rapids, for example, now if you're racing, if you're a participant, you got to pay to get in, obviously you're getting a check. But if you're a track promoter, you can use that pass and you can go to neighboring racetracks in the intent, right? The intent of that is to go to other tracks and see, hey, what are some things they're doing here that's working? What are some things here that, maybe it's a good deal that we can implement at our track. And what's some things they're doing that is not working? What are some things that we're like, yeah, we ain't going to do that. Cause you can learn both ways. Now don't jump online and start hammering each individual racetrack. I'm calling them out as a group. I'm not going to come on and say this particular track was a disaster, right? I won't, I'm not going to do that. But the fact is, People should just do their homework. Racers do, right? You see racers, if they're trying to get faster, they're going to kind of look to see what the fast guys are doing and, and try to copy that. Why are promoters not, and some do, some promoters are doing a great job, but some promoters, they just, it's the same junk every year. It's like, come on. I mean, this is the entertainment business. Entertain us, right? Like, I want to be entertained. You know, we're paying enough money. You know, it was 40 bucks to get in the pits over at, at the Thaw Brawl each day. That That's not real exciting. Now, if you're a pit guy, Bert, remember when you pitted for uh, MJ back in the day, right? How many races did you legitimately get to watch as a pit person? Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't get to watch the whole show, like, you know, if you're a spectator. Right. So you, you're paying more to get in I the mean, pits. Actually, when I first got into MJ's crew, this was back in 1990, and, you know, I told relatives, well, more like my mom told some relatives and, and whatnot, and then, you know, I'd start talking about pit passes and paying to get in, and they go, they would ask, you have to pay to get in? You guys put on the show. Why do you guys have to pay to get in? And, you know... A lot of fans don't realize that, yes, the, if you go in the pits, you have to pay to get in. And not only do you pay to get in, but you pay more than what you pay if you were just going into the grandstand. 
Yeah, now I'm going to get to that, right? Because I, I didn't <clears throat> my notes, but that brings up a very valid point. In my opinion, okay, and I've been on all sides of it. I've been a fan. I've been a racer. I've been on the promoting side. I've been on all sides of this deal. And, and I don't care. There's going to be tracks that disagree with me because they're like, oh, we need the back gate to pay. No, you don't. Okay. In my opinion, you want to grow the sport long-term, the grandstand ticket price should be the same price as the pits. Now I'm not saying jack the grandstands all the way to the moon. I'm not saying (laughs) that's what, that's what some promoters are thinking right now. Right. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not saying that it's the flip side of that. Right. Let's say, what is it to get in in Shano? For example, grandstand adults. Shano is held firm at $10 to get into the grandstand for adults. Now, how's their, how many fans would you say they have? I, I don't even, I mean, they, they have a good following. So, I mean. Their crowd is big, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I was told that it was over a thousand most nights. Isn't it? Is oh that, yeah. I, yeah. I would say over a thousand. Yeah. There ain't a Wissota, maybe Grand Forks, but the vast majority of Wissota tracks, you know how many fans they get? Three, four, five, six hundred people. Take a lesson from Brad over at Shano Speedway. His ticket prices ain't jacked to the moon, and he gets more people because it's affordable family entertainment. People ain't gonna spend a hundred dollar bill every single time, right? So, so you don't need to charge through the moon on ticket prices. Lower your ticket prices a little bit in the grandstands. People are gonna still spend the money, right? That's called the rule of 50, might even be more than that now. But people are gonna to come to the track, they're gonna spend 40, 50, 60 bucks regardless. It could be on ticket prices, maybe buying a t-shirt, going to the concession stands. They're gonna spend X amount of dollars. And if you get it all from them, right, on the ticket prices, they just are they're not gonna eat at the concession. You're going to have people doing what? Sneaking food in their bag and purses and sneaking beer in and all that. Why? Because they're freaking broke because you charged them too much. Lower the prices a little bit. People are still going to spend their money. Now, on the flip side of it, NHRA drag racing, when you buy a a pass to get into the grandstands, that's an all-access pass, right? You can actually walk through the pits. Now, it's different, right, because they're pushing the cars. It's different because you're not driving dragsters all around like you do at a, a dirt track. It's a, you got to be careful more at a dirt track. But that all-access pass is amazing because some of the people in the grandstands get an opportunity to see behind the scenes, and it kind of piques their interest more. The price to get in the pits should be the same or just a little bit more at most than it is to get in the grandstands. Bert, I've seen places, and I don't know what it is for a pit pass in Shano, but I've seen a lot of tracks that are $12, $13, $15 to get in the grandstands, and it's $30 to get in the pits. $30 to get in the, why would you pay, why? And people are wondering why they can't get more people involved in the sport. You wanna get more people involved in the sport, get more people in the pits. You wanna get more people in the pits, Make it so they can afford to come in the pits. That's going to have them engaged, involved, pique their interest. You're going to have future racers. And, and these tracks are just charging through the moon. So that's kind of off on my little soapbox right there. But the ticket prices in dirt track racing drives me bonkers. Now, there were some good things that happened too. And one thing that stuck out, River City Speedway up in Grand Forks, uh, they had their opening night this weekend. And, and one thing I thought was super cool up there, Bert, is the winner of the feature carries the checkered flag, okay? 
I think that's cool as hell. It don't take any more time. By the time they're done carrying the checkered flag, go to victory lane, it don't take any more time. I thought it was great. Now, what I'd like to see, and hopefully we do this over at the Donlinger Automotive Grand Rapids Speedway this year, because they have the feature winners carrying it. I think the heat winners should also carry it because when they, when they get the race done, if they stop and they get the flag, they can make a lap and it ain't going to add any more time. You just got to keep it flowing, right? You ain't got to, you ain't got to stop and draw it all out, but it doesn't take really any more time to have the heat winner carry it. And the reason I say that is we'll, we'll take rapids and it just is what it is. I, I don't see Johnny Broking really losing many races there this year. I mean, maybe Sabraski or maybe Bob, maybe, maybe, Ryan Jensen, maybe he'll steal one or maybe Esty, but Johnny's going to win the lion's share of them, right? But you might have somebody that doesn't normally win, win a heat race, right? Is it fair to say that certain people may win a heat that never win a feature, right? But mm -hmm. the photographer is going to get a picture of that driver carrying the checkered flag. And that will be, that could be that driver's prized possession for the next 20 years of their life right? That could keep them coming back. That gives them an opportunity to say, you know, hey, there's me carrying the checkered flag. I want to race over there. Yeah, it was a heat race, but to them, it was a huge deal. And, and sometimes we lose sight of that. We're only focused on the feature winners, but there's some drivers that have been around for a long time, supporting racing, coming to the track week in, week out, week in, week out, never win a feature, but they steal a heat win every once in a while. So Look for that to happen at Grand Rapids. I, I was happy to see that at least they were carrying the flag in the feature. I thought that was super cool. Um, the local race of the week. Okay, the, the one to go show local race of the week, Bert. Surprise, surprise, was Soda Street Stocks. Again, I never thought I would say this. Viking Speedway over in Alexandria, Minnesota. My buddy Justin Vogel looked like he had it in control and here comes Ryan Satter off a of turn four and steals his thunder on the last lap. Great finish there over at the Viking Speedway. Another thing that I was super happy to see with this week, Bert, the Fiesta City Speedway in Montevideo and the Halberline Speedway in Proctor both had race cars on the track. <sighs> Finally, they had last year off because of COVID. Proctor, of course, had their practice this weekend. Uh, Fiesta City Speedway over Montevideo, they had their opening night of racing. Great to see that. Um, Jesse Glenn's, you already mentioned that, the X Factor. He's back in action. I mean, he just, he curb stomped them over in Menominee. Um, I'm thinking the late model guys over there are trying to take up a collection to make sure he has enough sponsorship money to stay on the USMPS tour because they don't want him anywhere around because he is, when he gets on a tear, that dude is really, really hard to beat. So late model guys, be happy. There is a USMTS race this weekend. I'm guessing that's where he's going to be. So somebody else can win this weekend. Um, Viking. Well, wait. Where where's the USMTS race? It is down in Lakeside. They're in Kansas City, and then Tri-State in Oklahoma. And what days? Uh, Friday and Saturday. Okay. Because yep. he had, he had posted he was going to try to get the Wilmot for the Dirt Kings race on Sunday. Yep. So. Yeah, that's a, okay. that's a that would be cool. Yeah, that would that would make sense. Friday, Saturday, jump over there. So, isn't he? Didn't he win the Diamond Forty Three last yeah. year? 
yeah, that, yeah, that that was the rough and tumble. That, that was the rodeo race. That, that was, I tell you, it was entertaining. That's for sure. Um, I want to give a shout out, of course, to Viking Speedway too, because they're kind of going old school, doing a couple things a little different. And and I'm not saying it's huge money, right? But the heat winners are getting paid. They're paying the heat winners. They're having a dash for cash where, where drivers have an opportunity. I think it's like a six lap race for an extra hundred bucks. They have a sweet bonus. If you win the heat, the dash in the feature, I think it's an extra 200 bucks per class. They have a points fund, right? So they're doing extra things that a lot of racetracks are not doing to try to give money back to the drivers. Again, that's a board run track. Right? Nobody gets paid there. They're going out and getting these sponsors. They have a sponsor for each class, literally to put more money into the track to give to the drivers. And uh, they don't have to do that. It's it's extra above and beyond what everybody else does. So drivers take note of that and uh, send them guys a thank you over there at the Viking Speedway. I think that's super cool. Now, another thing, Bert, I got to look back at my notes here. So... I think that's about all I have right now, Bert, on, on that. I do have one question for you. It seems to me, looking at the results, looking at the results, pretty much every track, you're seeing about two heats on average in every class, right? Some, class, some tracks have maybe three or four heats in a certain class or whatever, is that something that we can just kind of grow to expect? I mean, just kind of, if we can get that 12 to 16 cars, is that, is that kind of what you're expecting? Um, I think it depends where you are. I mean, in what night of the week you, you run. Cause like in Eastern Wisconsin, just for example, I mean, you have to preface this that it was opening night. So opening night is always, a special night, but out of Gainey Speedway in Seymour opened last Friday and uh, they had a hundred and seventy eight cars in five divisions. So their lowest car. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, they they have a curfew. So because the tracks located in the city. OK, um, but uh, they're the division that had the lowest car count had twenty nine cars. Wow. Well, that, that's so. <laughs> impressive. That's all IMCA stuff over there. I'd yes. be curious. Now, if they have a if they have a hard curfew, I'd be curious to know if they got it done in a three and a half hour to four hour window. If they did, that's impressive. That's flat out getting after it. I, I don't have any idea. But where I'm kind of going with this, Bert, is I've seen some entertaining programs. Like in my mind, okay, and some people may argue with this. In my mind, two good solid heats, and when I mean solid heats, I mean seven, eight cars in a heat, maybe maybe nine. I think that's enough. I think if you can get, I think if you can hit that 15, 16, 18 cars per class, I think that's enough, especially with tracks trending unfavorably Puka's direction to where they want eight, nine, ten classes. I know Puka loves that. <laughs> well, well, it, it, see that that's part of the problem is they create these new divisions to try to get people involved in racing, but all you're diluting, all you're doing is diluting the other divisions because drivers are just as an example, you know, um, I'm saying had the modifieds and I mean, there is good number of modified drivers all over the place. So then IMCA introduces this, uh, low dollar sport mod division as a starter class. 
And what happens then is some of the drivers who were racing modifieds but necessarily weren't the top runners, well, they drop down to the sport mod division. And yes, the sport mod division is good for the younger drivers to get started, but you know, you diluted the modified division when you created this other division. And you know, that's part of the problem with some of these racing organizations is it's like, okay, we have, you know, it's always because they always introduce a new class because they want to introduce a beginner class, a low, low dollar class. And like for the sport mod division, maybe not the first couple of years that, that it was going on, but I mean, drivers are, are racing brand new chassis in the sport mod division in a beginner class. <laughs> yeah. Same thing in Wasota when they brought the Midwest mods in and in the intent of that class, the intent was, the intent was good. I disagreed with right. it. I voted against it um, in Hibbing when I was in the association over there. You know, I, a lot, I'm not very shy about saying that because um, I saw the writing on the wall. And the intent of it was to keep it low paying, $200 to win, $250 to win. And if somebody goes out and spends 50 grand on a race car for 200 to win, that's their own dumb fault. That, that's just stupid, right? But then all of a sudden, there's 1000 to win, 3000 to win, yeah. 1000 to win. 10,000 to win in the let's call it yeah. the starter mod class or B mods, right? And next thing you know, they're like, Well, there's a lot of money on the line. I ain't gonna run this used stuff. I'm gonna go get a brand new car. And they got brand new cars, brand new tires, you know, ten thousand dollar engines. Like literally, you can put a you can put a 525 crate in a late model cheaper than you can buy a top of the line Wissota Midwest mod motor. It, it just don't even make sense. It's just stupid. So they've ruined it. And, and you're exactly right. But with that said, I unfortunately, I don't see that changing. Oh, right. right. So with that said, I'm almost kind of thankful, I guess, if 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 they're going to have six, seven, eight, nine, ten classes of cars, I don't want to see five heats in each because, oh, my gosh, you'd oh, be there. In, oh, wow. in that regard. Yeah. Me yeah. personally. I like to see at least 20 cars in a division. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know. If, well, if you could get up to 21, that's seven cars per heat, you know, seven solid cars in a, in a heat race, you know, that's not, right. that's not too bad. Um, but see, for me, anything under 15, then I, you know, it, um, <laughs> and it depends on the track. So you're at a half but, mile. Yeah. So, I mean, if you get on a half mile, you 12 or 14 car feature. Right. Oh man, right now, if you're on a little bull ring like, say, Watertown, it's a quarter mile, 14 right. cars, 16 True. cars actually can put together a pretty good race. In fact, 24 cars in Watertown can be a disaster, you know. So, I think, it, I think you're right, I think it kind of varies on each track. But I've seen, I guess, where I'm going with that, I've seen some pretty entertaining programs with just that 14 to 16 cars. But well, you're right, if it's, if it's too big of a track. Uh, that would not be good either. And I mean, if you have 16 quality cars, yeah, then, you know, uh, you know, they can put on a good show. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's get to some national news. And I think uh, in our neck of the woods, Bert, the big one, of course, was the Dairyland showdown over at the Mississippi Thunder Speedway. And and I'm just going to say it right here, Bert, we couldn't have hit, hit it on the head any better than we did last year right because they were the 2020 regional track of the year and and i was impressed i tell you tyrone and bob tim did a, in my opinion they did a hell of a job over there 
at the Mississippi Thunder uh, Speedway. Gave us a quality, entertaining program Friday and Saturday night. Bert, I'm going to just let you take it from here. I'll, I'll fill in at the end of it. But what stuck out to you over at Mississippi Thunder? Well, first, I mean, uh, you know, I interviewed Tyrone prior, probably like two weeks prior to the event. And because uh, I wanted to do a preview story and I, I put that on the Full Throttle website, which is fullthrottlenow.com. And uh, when I interviewed Tyrone, you know, he said that, you know, they, him and Bob were looking at this as their one opportunity to not only prove to the state of Wisconsin, but to prove to the country that they can host a big event like this. And I agree. I mean, I, you know, I, I watched the, the racing action. I, I didn't go there in person, but I watched, watched the stream of it. And um, yeah, I mean, good racing both nights. Uh, he said that, you know, they're going to do whatever they had to, to make the track racy. They're going to farm it up before the, before the features. And I mean, there were, um, slide jobs and, and just good hard racing and, you know, you know, a plus effort on their part to put on that show. Absolutely. You know, and I, I couldn't agree more now, kind of a little interesting side note, I guess the first night. So it was a woo show. There was no Lucas oil late model action this weekend, T-Mac was up there and all of a sudden I'm like, what happened to T-Mac? Sounds like he had kidney stones there on night one. It sounds like he missed the, the whole event. Like he was in too much pain, didn't get to race. He did get to race on night two, but uh, Bert, have you ever had kidney stones? No, I haven't. And I hope I never do. <laughs> they suck. I'm not going to lie. I've had them and it is it is basically, I'd say that's what quit making me drink pop because and you say soda i say pop right <laughs> but, uh, i uh i'll be honest I, my doctor told me he says you know all that sugar or whatever that that's kind of a cause of that and i'm like i don't ever want them again like if that's what i'm gonna get when i have that now i'm staying away because they suck so i'm glad to see he was back out there you know i'll start with the mods a little bit and just just briefly Corey mater kind of shocked the world you know, kind of slid back there night one in the feature, come out of nowhere, and he put that 55 in victory lane. So kind of a local guy, surprised not to see him up at Menominee, but flat out got it done. Night number two, Dustin Sorensen from 10th, just pounding the cushion on the high side. Absolutely impressive. The mod racing, if they didn't even have late model racing, the mod features both night were absolutely amazing. The late model races were just as good. Um I guess the big news is a guy that's kind of been in our who's not segment a lot. How about Brandon Shepard finally getting a real win on the season? Now we'll just get rid of that half. We're going to say he's got one win because that half is stupid. <laughs> but he finally got her done, night number one over there. So B. Shep finally in victory lane. I honestly thought he was going to double up, Bert, because he got the lead and then he kind of faded a little bit. Uh, I don't think he was quite feeling the whole bang in the cushion slide job. And he just kind of, he was rolling the middle a little bit and kind of backed her up. What did he get? I think he was top five still. Was he fourth or fifth? Uh, he was third. Oh, he was, he was still on the podium then. So he yeah. was there, but uh, I think he wouldn't have been on the podium. A couple of guys kind of made some mistakes and slid back. Madden, of course he, he ran good. He won the second night. Now, a couple of things that stuck out to me. Jimmy Mars on the podium night one. Boy, he put the backup beeper on a night two, though. It he got up to the <laughs> well, front. He was he battling. Was... Like, I'm like, he's there. Here comes Mars. And that top side came in and 
and and let's be honest, Mars is like, I don't know part of that. Like I, I'm I'm gonna go down here on the bottom, and he's known for tipping that left front tire over the tires and rolling the bottom, and he just kind of got shuffled back on I think on a restart, he lost a few spots, so not as good on night two. But I'd say the guy that really had the the breakout weekend and some something I was pretty happy to see Brent Larson, the B1 bomber, you know, second place and you know, when I think second, and let's just be honest, Bert, over the last couple of years, if I said Brent Larson got second, to me, the first thing that comes to mind is when I started in the front lockdown, nobody could pass. He just, you know, probably kind of what happened. Mars couldn't catch him. He drove away from Mars. So he got Mars. So he got second and he drove away from third and he actually well, wasn't too far he, off of Shepard. He was actually leading uh, at one point. Yeah, he led. <laughs> The majority of the race, right? right? Shepard got by him, but even on a late restart there, he kind of drove away from Jimmy. So, so great. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's see if he can double it up. And I look at the lineup. Well, sure as heck, there's Brent Larson starting back in 19th. I'm like, oh, there, there goes that deal, right? Hard charger, he got to 10th. Yep. So not only did he get his best career finish in the world of outlaws, he backed it up. But I, I think I could be wrong. But I think this might be the first time since he's been following World of Outlaws where he's had back-to-back top tens. Could be. I, I I don't recall that happening before. So great weekend for him over there. Uh, great racing action. Anything else on Mississippi Thunder? Um, well, I'd like to uh, just do a shout-out to some of the local drivers that went there. Um, Taylor Scheffler uh, was impressive. He made the show both nights finished 11th in the first on Friday night and then finished um, 16th on Saturday night. So, I mean, not too shabby for a local guy. Um, Jake Kim finished seventh on Saturday night and 12th on Friday night. So two strong runs for him. Um, Nick Avlink made the show on Saturday night. Didn't make it Friday night, but made it Saturday night, finished 20th. Uh, Mitch McGrath made it both nights, finished 16th and 21st. And Jared Seifert, um, who doesn't get to run with these guys very often, uh, qualified on Saturday night and finished 24th. So, you know, um, you know, late model car count was a little low at Shano because these guys were racing there. So it's good to see that some of them made the show. And unfortunately, I heard that uh, Ron Berna uh blew an engine on friday night when he was there uh so uh, yeah, hopefully he's hopefully he's got another one yeah that's... hopefully he can put something together yeah no another guy that was there bird jeffrey massingill who who's been really strong in wasota he couldn't get it to run the first night like he had all kinds of issues like engine problems and then the next night he went out and uh same thing early on time trials he just couldn't get it to run and then uh, in the B main, the last chance, they finally got it running good. And I think they got fourth in the in the B main and just missed transferring. So hopefully they got it figured out. He's he's really strong in the Wasota stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing him maybe transition that over and get some good runs in the in, in open late model stuff. One more thing before we move on. I just need to make a comment. Uh, I mean, Brandon Shepard won Friday night, but... Uh, when things don't go his way, he's a little bit, he's a little whiny. Did you hear his comments about Kyle Strickler? I didn't hear the comments, but I, I saw <laughs> at the end of the race, he kind of pulled up in front of him and stopped as they were pulling off the track. And I didn't know if that was on purpose or inadvertent or whatever, but yeah. then I 
did hear that there was a little drama there. What happened there? Um, well, Shepard made, I was reading a post-race story and he said that um, uh, Strickler wasn't able to pass him without, without uh, running into him. And Strickler had a different, um, uh, his story was different. He said he never touched him and that he's going to start racing drivers the way that he gets raced. And um, I mean, I, so I actually heard those comments before I watched the race. So I was kind of watching specifically. And there was one time when uh, the two did make, make contact, pretty good contact, actually. They kept going. But there were a few other times when uh, um, Shepard put a slider on Strickler one time and Strickler could have just nailed him if he wanted to, spun him out and kept going and kept his spot. But it looked like he laid off and, and let, let Shepard up in there. So uh, we'll have to watch those two the rest of the season. <laughs> we, we will. And you know what they say, you know, character is judged in, in the highs and lows of life, you know, and, and, and how, how humble are you when you're winning and, and how big of a whiner are you when you're losing? And I think he's being tested right now because he's not having the season. Right used to so that'll be interesting to follow for sure now we do have a, a new deal here Bert so Connie Duino uh Brad is a, a long time listener of the show here came up with the fan question of the week okay and uh they were down at the Mississippi Thunder said that was the first time there and they were highly impressed they're gonna go back they really enjoyed their time there so so uh the guys over Bob and and uh and uh Tyrone thumbs up to you but her question was how come you don't see numbers and sponsors on the side of haulers how come you don't see that remember back in the day all the open trailers had their numbers on them right you just don't see that anymore now i'll get i'll get to that in a second now shane sabraski he does right shane sabraski that thing's got west metro all down the side of the thing he's got the 7a on there it's all doctored up now there was a time, the answer to this question is this. So there was a, a period of time where all these people that had these big haulers were basically trying to get under the radar. They put RV plates on and they'd be like, we're going to try to not be commercial. That time is long gone. Okay. You got to stop at the scales now. I mean, it is clear and obvious you're a commercial entity if you have a race car hauler. I don't really know why they don't have them on there anymore. Maybe it's a resale value thing, but the time, the whole, I guess the trend why they didn't for the longest time is they didn't want to attract attention from the Department of Transportation. They didn't want to get pulled over by DOT and have to get everything all checked out. And they didn't, they wanted to stay away from all of that. Well, again, they still have to stop. It just is what it is. So I, I think that needs to come back, right? I think that needs to come back. I If I was a sponsor, right, they're only on the track for a little while. They're only you know, maybe on streaming platforms or whatever. If I was the primary sponsor, I'd want my name all down the side of that, right? It's a traveling billboard. We used to say that all the time. That was kind of a marketing deal when we had open trailers. Race cars are like a traveling billboard. You know, fans can see the sponsors on the car going up and down the highways, you know, driving through town and all that. The same thing should happen with haulers. So, I would like to see that trend come back to where they do get the sponsors up there, at least the primary ones. But if it were me now, knowing what I know today, I'd have my primary sponsor on there. I'd have my number and then maybe down the bottom, right? Maybe have your associate sponsors or whatever on there. But I, I think that's a, 
that's a great question. And um, that's something that I guess I hadn't thought about for a while. Well, and one of the things with, you know, with these haulers being so plain and nothing on them is, you know, if you're a fan and you go to the race, it's like if, if I'm, you know, go to Cedar Lake Speedway for the USA Nationals, you know, where you park, you can see the haulers in the, in the pit area, but you have no idea who's there until they actually take the cars out. Where if, you know, the things, if, if the haulers had some markings, you know, a number and sponsors, you'd be able to figure out who it is. You, you know, what's crazy, Bert, is uh, if you think about it, their apparel trailers usually have graphics on the side of them. Yeah. So some, so the yeah, some of them do, yes. Some of them do. You know, and like <laughs> the World of Outlaw trailer, I know the Mars trailer did, the Dirt Car trailer, the USMTS has a trailer. So all these series, all of their stuff's all wrapped up, right? So, so the racers just haven't transitioned back to that yet. And, you know, I get it. It's, it's another expense that they got to incur, but some of these guys are getting a whole lot of money from their sponsors and they, they probably should be looking now. Hey, I want to, so let's, let's jump off that Bert. And uh, so B Shep, he won, right? So he, he finally got his first win of the year and it was 12,500. So it's a pretty good win for B Shep. Jimmy Owens says, me too. Because if you remember back at Cherokee, both of them won that each night or each feature for that half a feature deal, right? Well, Jeff pointed it out. He says, I don't think B-Ship can win without Owens trying to win too. So Owens went down to Smoky Mountain, Ray Cook's deal down there, the spring, the Schaefer's Spring Nationals, 53 laps, 10,053 to win. And in case you're wondering, Ray Cook was number 53. Kind of a neat deal where he's got 53 tied into anything. It's like, it's like I, I can't let it go either, so I get it. But uh, Jimmy Owens got her down there and basically dominated that race. So, I mean, not only did he win, but he, he did it pretty convincingly. Over 10 in lap traffic kind of got reasonably close to him a couple times, but the class of the field was Jimmy Owens. So, Bert, how about that, man? I mean, them two couldn't go. I mean, they went the first four months of the year, neither one of them can win a race and then they both went on the same weekend i'm not convinced yet we'll get to that in just a little bit so now did you uh over at atomic um did you see that josh rice just yes. about shocked the world again well well i want to say about that track um that is a elbows up track <laughs> oh my unbelievable i, I thought highly entertaining and and let's be let's be honest so devin moran won the race and i think it was i think it was 10 or 12 to win something around that neighborhood but the fastest car on the track and it wasn't even close was josh rice i mean he'd mess up and he'd track him down he'd mess up he tracked him down he chucked a slider and then finally right around lap 20 he went to chuck a slider on him and he overshot it and he ko'd the fence and he pulled off I'm guessing he tore the J bar out and I mean, he hit hard, but he should have won that race. Devin Moran, he's continued to impress another win there. And uh, Turbo got fourth in that deal. Kinda, kinda. Last lap, I think he was battling for second and he chucked it right off the end of the racetrack, right? He didn't even cross the checkered flag. He got fourth, didn't even cross the flag, didn't even, did not even finish the race. I'm like, well, how the hell did he get fourth? Fifth was lapped. There was only four cars on the lead lap. So it's like, all right, fair enough. So Turbo uh, 
he he's an elbows up kind of guy. That that track <laughs> him for sure. But well, and racing. and I mean, if you wanted to go anywhere in that race, you had to run the high side, and the high side was like six inches from the wall. It was right <laughs> there for sure. So so let's get to some wow uh, world of outlaw sprint car action. So Eldora, they they finally uh, they had a race over at Eldora Friday night. It looked like it was going to be one of these Boone Supernationals, let's race at four in the morning type deal. And uh, they went out and they're trying to pack it in. And they're like, we just can't get the bottom in. So they time trialed Friday night and then they ran a double show on Saturday. And again, day racing, it just is what it is. The first, the first race just quite frankly sucked. I mean, it just, it did. Um, Brent Marks won that deal. Sheldon Hoddenschild got second in that deal. Okay. Now, I believe you had Sheldon, right? For yes, the first I did. Time. Did he lead part of that race too? He led the majority of the race. You know, so so <laughs> so Bert almost got one. Almost got one, but Brent Marks took it away. Okay, you wouldn't have got one anyway. I know. You got second in the feature. He went across the scales light. So that would have been even worse for you because it would. It's it would like, have second. <laughs> But if you would have won him, and like, no, I don't think so. And uh, so Donnie Shots, he got third. Shots has been just consistently like there, right? We're going to get to that in a second. Now the evening race comes about, and they they farmed the track. They did a good job. They actually went out completely, work, reworked the racetrack. I thought they lost it for the whole day. They went out, they they farmed it all up, they tilled it all up, and they put the second show was way better than the first. And uh, one of the first things that happened in the feature the wild child, Jack Hoddenschild, back in the Pennzoil 22, um, driving for uh, Rico, he, he got upside down for his second time of the night. And the first one wasn't his fault. The second one, I clipped the bottom, rolled over. But, uh, boy, I tell you, you know, Sheldon Hoddenschild, Jack Hoddenschild, checkers or wreckers, I mean, you can kind of see the apple don't fall too far from the tree there, right? So let's get to the race. In the race, there was a couple lead changes early. I think shot started back in the fifth row. I think he started back there a ways. And here comes Donnie shots on the bottom. I'm like, my God, he's bolted. Like he is absolutely on fire. He gets the lead on the bottom. He drives away. And I'm like, here it is. Finally going to get win number 300. And I'm like, gone, right? Pete, Jeff, both have Donnie shots. They're like, we're riding this train. He's getting it. Five laps to go. Here comes Sheldon Hoddenschild. He's coming for him. Two laps to go. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> Not today. Hoddenschild hustling on the high side. Gets the win and just checks out in the last lap. Logan Schuhart, who I picked, Bert, I think he started 21st. He actually slipped by shots at the end, too. He got second, so shots, a pair of thirds. Very respectable. but. Uh, it's kind of like that days of thunder. Boy, he got the balls to go to the outside, right? That's kind of like Donnie shots right now. It's like he's 40. I talked to a friend of his. He's like, yeah, he's 40 some years old. He's not going to be the guy carving on the wall. He does not tear up equipment, right? He's, he's on the bottom. He's smooth. He's steady. But one of the, if the top doesn't come in, if the cushion's not there, he wins that race. I mean, he's smooth through the middle, but man, will he ever, ever get win number 300? I'm starting to, I'm starting to have my doubts. What do you think? He'll get it. Uh, he, he's, 
he's getting too many podium finishes right now not to eventually get a win uh he'll get it eventually and i guess uh you can say that it'll be even sweeter once he does get it you know that now that he has to wait a little bit longer it seems <laughs> the monkey's got to come <laughs> off the back there i can tell you this it's not gonna be on an elbows up cushion cushion type deal he ain't gonna win there it's gonna be on one of those that's black without a cushion the top maybe marbled up, and that's going to be the kind of track that he wins on. So, Bert, let's get to it. Who's hot? Who's not? For this week's edition, who's hot over there uh, for you, Bert? Top three, who's hot? Um, well, I'm going to – I'll start locally, and I'm going to go Justin Ritchie. I mean, two feature wins uh, after uh, – um, you made fun of them just week after week after week. And, <laughs> and so, uh, so two wins in a row, I'm going to put him on my list. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to stay local Eastern Wisconsin for the other driver. Um, I'm going to put Taylor Scheffler for qualifying twice for the outlaw shows. I mean, not just qualifying. I mean, he, you know, 11th place finish and I think it was 16th. I mean, that those are very respectable, um, finishing spots for a local and then um nationally i have to go with uh davenport i mean two two feature why? wins and why two two feature wins in one week and uh down in down in batesville he had to work a little bit for the first one but the second one i mean he he got in the lead pretty quick and just pulled away from everybody so uh he continues to stay hot i mean no, those weren't big money races but uh um actually i mean five thousand that's chump change compared to what he's won well, in some the of the races one was 13 year. though the second well, race was yeah. thirteen thousand. that's a that's a pretty yeah. tall yeah. one right there so win 11 and win 12 that's why i had number one on my list too bert um jonathan davenport i mean he's i don't i don't think there's another late model guy in double digits you know and he's at 12 so he just continues to knock him off. It'll be interesting to see what he does this week. I'm guessing he's going to run the Lucas Oil stuff. So we'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to go local with the other two as well. First one I'm going to go with is a mod guy, Ashley Anderson. A Ashley Anderson, three starts, three wins. One of them, he come from last after a first lap altercation. This week, he started back in the fourth row again, and ah, nobody was good there, right? I mean, Buzzy showed up and Shane Sabraski showed up and Jody Belfi showed up and Ashley Anderson said, it don't matter. I'm going to the front. Now, with that said, rookie Shane Halapka may have given one away. He took the, he took the lead with the white flag. He took, he, or he had the lead at the white flag. He come into one and two, jumped the cushion off two. And he actually fell back to third because he actually he, he just had a meltdown on the last lap. It's like, oh, if there's a word for buck fever for a rookie trying to win their first race, let's come <laughs> up with it because whatever it is, he had it, right? And another guy local, you know, I'm going to put Brent Larson on here. I mean, let's, I mean, that he just keeps digging. He has a good attitude. He keeps digging. He keeps digging. He goes out there. He gets another podium. I think he, he, he got, what do you get? fourth or fifth earlier this year was that his first podium of the year i think right yeah i think so yeah so so he run he runs second i know he had a couple top fives i believe he had a he had a good run down there i don't remember what track it was but he but he got second in a very solid second i mean he wasn't he didn't have third you know right on his quarter panel comfortably in second follows that up with another top 10 finish 
he's got a new crew chief. He's got some new help. He said he has another guy that's really helping, you know, that he's able to bounce ideas off. Maybe the pieces are starting to come together. And, and, you know, can we, can we possibly see some more podiums? Can we possibly see him fight for a win at some point this season? I hope so. It'd be good to see the B1 bomber steal one in the world of outlaws there. So that's what we got for who's hot, Bert. Now, who's not? You want me to go? Um, I, I will say uh, Ricky Weiss. Um, he just continues to struggle. Um, you know, he doesn't qualify well, and which puts, sets him back. And so I, he's on the list. And um, I mentioned this driver a couple of weeks ago. And um, Dennis Erb, I mean, he just, you know, you expect to see him you know, at least in the top 10, but he's not even finishing in the top 10. I mean, at Mississippi Thunder, he was 13th, I believe, and then 25th. And, you know, that's just uh, not not what we're used to out of him. And, um, and then I have to say Overton. I mean, last year he made his bread and butter running these little, the not little, these regional races and uh you know just racked up wins and collected money and but he's he's not able to, to accomplish that same goal this year so we're on the same page i mean i mean i have overton on there he got second this past weekend down there to jimmy but admittedly in victory lane when they talked to him he's like we've been struggling like i, I gotta find some speed we just have not been good he said the car felt better tonight but he he still really had nothing for Jimmy Owens in that one. So he's not contending for wins. We'll see if he turns the corner. I mean, we're still, we're still in May. Let's see if he turns the corner there, Ricky Weiss. I'm telling you, like, I, I don't know if he watches races. I don't know if he goes back and watches the film or what, but how many nights in a row can you have the same ungodly mid corner push and like not fix it? I mean, that car doesn't turn at all. At all, not even a little tiny bit. And I and I watched Edgington over in, in River Cities. His car don't turn either. It's a sniper. It looks exactly like Ricky's. Comes in the corner, car is all bound up. It pushes up the track. He's got to kind of slide it to turn. And and I know Massengill's supposed to be debuting that sniper. Dude, sell that thing. Okay. <laughs> I and I talked to Brett and I'm like, no, dude, I have no confidence. Like I like I have not seen any signs of that thing being even remotely fast, right? You know, so I'm a little bit nervous for the 6M because a pair of 14s there for rookie for Ricky Weiss, uh, quite honestly, he's regressed. I mean, I last year I, I picked him to win last year the, the World of Outlaw Championship. He runs second, had a pretty solid year. And, and he's just getting slower and slower and slower. And, and he's just quite honestly, he's kind of a non-factor. And if he does work his way up into the top 10, usually it's through attrition. He's had a couple okay finishes in there, but he just ain't been very good. Um, and then I'm going to go with Brandon Shepard and Jimmy Owens combined. Yes. They each won a race this weekend. I'm not convinced. I'm not. Okay. I'm just not. Brandon Shepard had the lead on on saturday and he backed it up to 30 actually fell back further than that but he ended up getting back up in there pierce actually did pierce things and KO'd the wall getting into turn one that gave him a freebie right there but i'm, I'm just not convinced um that they're back so i'm just going to still consider them on the struggle bus really one and a half wins from each and we're halfway through may now let's get to the last lap bert brought to you by our friends 
over at Zuli's Racing Engines. Frank Zuli building great engines. A special shout out, Willie Ferguson won the street stock feature over at the Black Hills Speedway, Rapid City, South Dakota. I talked to Frank. He said, first night with a Zuli motor, first night in victory lane. So hats off to him. So uh, Parker Anderson, of course, he had a pair of wins this weekend with Zuli Performance, with Zuli Race Engines building great engines, get a hold of him. He'll take good care of you. Um, let's let's get to the last lap, Bert. Several drivers with multiple wins or some kind of a streak going. And who, who do you got? I know you got some folks over in eastern Wisconsin. Who do you want to give an extra shout-out? Well, I mean, Justin Ritchie has two wins in a row. So, uh, um... Bridesmaid, no more. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. And, uh, I mean... In Eastern Wisconsin, we had a streak broken uh, because he didn't show up at, at the track. But uh, um, Mike Mullen, who was, who had won three straight modified features at Shano Speedway, raced at 141 this past weekend. So How did uh, he do? I don't even know how he did. <laughs> I don't think he won. I don't think I know, he won. I know. He raced at Outagami on Friday night, and uh, he was involved in an early wreck. Um, okay. car spun out kind of in front of the entire field and it, it looked like a like a parking parking lot <laughs> yeah that'll happen <laughs> that'll happen now a, a guy this guy here quite honestly been a little bit on the struggle bus as compared to what i'm used to seeing him really wasn't great most of the weekend but he did double up at ogilvy shane sabraski with a pair of wins of course we talked about ashley anderson three in a row with the 81 modified the one TPO, Tyler Peterson, winner over at the I-94 Surestep Speedway in Fergus Falls. He says he's been trying to get one there, Bird, for a long time. Finally put one in victory lane, and he went to casino, started on the front row, and put it in kill mode. Kyle Dykoff also won at the I-94 Speedway and casino. Parker Anderson, who I just mentioned in Zuli Race Engines, won at Ogilvy and at the Granite City Motor Park. Travis Sauer, a mod guy, back into a Midwest mod, running one of his dad's car, a pair of wins, I-94 in the Viking Speedway. Dave Flynn in the Superstocks, making the trip down to Wisconsin, the Red Cedar Speedway in Rice Lake. And another shout-out, Kennedy Swan, um, a gal, I think she's maybe 16, 17, 18 years old. She got her first win of the year, or first win of her career last fall in Lansing, Minnesota from ninth. Bert, she put that thing in absolute kill mode, and won by almost a straightaway in Menominee in the Wissota Midwest Mons. I mean, she absolutely curb stomped them. So, I mean, that was super impressive. Hats off to her. And uh, that's it for shuttles, but I have an update because where's Waldo, right? Where Scott Boomquist is this guy even around? Like, where the heck is he? What's he doing? I know he fell off the World of Outlaw Tour, right? But there's all these other races going on. You think he'd make an appearance somewhere. And then we saw on the news at, what was it, the Kentucky Derby? Didn't somebody get disqualified for, you know, um, illegal? Wasn't it the horse got disqualified for performance-enhancing drugs, right? The trainer got suspended. I'm thinking in my mind, did, is Bloomer in horse racing now? Like, is he is he over there? Did they find him? Well, that's, that wasn't where he was, okay? I actually did a little bit more research than that. I talked to Charlie, and uh, they said they're not going to race here for another week or so. Their next race out, they're going to hit the Show Me 100, and uh, that's that's their next race out. So that's, that's a little bit on Scott Bloomquist right there. 
a little bit of that that horse racing evidently there's race if, if you can race it you can cheat in it i don't care if there's you hear about performance enhancing drugs in the olympics you hear about people cheating all the time in racing and man the kentucky derby did you ever think a horse would have performance enhancing drugs really oh yeah there's a lot of money in horse racing <laughs> yeah evidently evidently so now the picks of the week let's get to the picks of the week bert last week uh we got the offer again the big old giant goose egg we're back we had a really good week the week before and uh this past week um evidently we forgot how to pick completely but this week bert the world of outlaw sprint cars right they are racing wednesday at lincoln friday at williams grove saturday at williams grove so i'm gonna jump on here i gotta look back at my notes because i didn't write this down but uh why don't you and, and write it down bert if you got a pen who are you picking to win those ones? Um, I will go with Brad Sweet on Wednesday. <coughs> Sheldon Hodgins Child on Friday and Saturday. Double up. Sweet, Sheldon, and Sheldon. All right. So I'm looking at this right here. And Keith is taking, he's taking Sheldon at Lincoln. He's taking Gravel night one at Williams Grove. And he's taking Donnie Schatz night two at Williams Grove. Now, I know Jeff's is on here somewhere too. So bear with me for just a second. I'm going to look to see. I don't think Pete gave us a pick here. I haven't really walked out. So Pete, Pete, uh, Pete's kind of a, a ball dropper on us here. He didn't quite, he's been busy. He's got, he's got some, he's got some stuff going on. So he's taking the week off, which if, if we're on pace, Bert, um, he ain't it gonna, won't matter. It won't matter. So he, he'll be perfectly okay. So Jeff, um, he's taking sweet, sweet and sweet. Okay. That that's, that's who he's taking there. So I'm taking a picture of this and I, I am going to, So sweet Sheldon and Sheldon is who you got. He's got I I did this last week. He didn't get any right. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna do this, Bert. I'm gonna do this. I'm taking Donnie shots all three nights. I'm taking shots. So am I overly confident that he's gonna win? Nope, but he's due. He's due. So I'm taking shots all three nights, and I'm really hoping I can get one of those nights right. Now, the Lucas Oil Late Models, Bert, Friday night, they're at the 411. Saturday night, they're at Talladega. Who do you got? Uh, I will take Superman for Friday and T-Mac on Saturday. Okay, write these down and text them on over to me, will you? And okay. so Keith... And I don't know, I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be there, but I feel like there's a pretty good chance he's taken Overton to, to win those. And Jeff actually took, take a look here. I think he took Davenport for both. He did. He took Davenport for both. So you, you took Davenport and T-Mac, right? Yes. And, and Jeff took JD at both. Overton at both for Keith. I'm going to go 
and say RTJ. RTJ for me. That's for what both? I'm gonna, for both. So I got shots and RTJ. Pete Pete is not on there. Maybe we'll put it in the news feed if he if he gives me a pick. I haven't seen a text message come in from him yet, so not quite there. Now we'll finish with this, Bert. We got our we, there. There is a pile of racing, an insane amount of racing coming up this week, but we have a few that stick out to us. What are your must see events of the week? Are we not picking USMTS? No, we're gonna skip okay. that just because. Okay. You haven't watched a ton of it. I'm really honestly only going to watch the USMTS if I hear if, uh, you know, Glenn's or Ebert ran okay. well, then I'll jump on and watch the recap. But the, with all the Wasota action, local action, all this action, I, I probably, there's only so much time in a day. So we're going to kind of shy away from the USMTS for now. Nothing again. All right. So I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, yeah, the must see events of the week. What do you got? Um, I have, I am going to go with the Dirt Kings race in Wilmot on Sunday. Um, 43. It's one of the uh, 43, I believe it's 4,300 to win. Uh, it's one of their highest paying events. Uh, it's down in Wilmot, which is near the Wisconsin, Illinois border. And, uh, the Dirt King series, they've been doing a good job of, uh, posting uh, already registered drivers for this event. And, um, you know, supposedly uh, Bobby Pierce is supposed to be there. Jason. <laughs> operator. Jason Fager. And, you know, so you're going to get some of the, the bigger uh, Illinois drivers. X Factor, I saw he was going to try to make it there. Um, and then you'll have, uh, you know, the Dirt Kings drivers. Uh, I I believe I saw a post that Nick Avalink was supposed to be going down there. So I saw that. Uh, Justin Ritchie, so, your defending champ. Yeah. Yep. So, so that should be should be a pretty good show uh, with uh, you know regional drivers in the area. Well, and I mean Bobby Pierce, you could call him a national driver. <laughs> and, and and with that being on a Sunday and close, right? No World of Outlaw race this weekend. Right. Maybe you could see uh, you know, Brian Shirley. Maybe you could see a. You know, Dennis Herb Jr., right? Because the Mars, they race what, Friday, Saturday? So, right. yeah, I mean, they'll, and they're racing in that area. Uh, right. In, so, yeah, you may see some other drivers. You know, they may be waiting to see how they do in those two races. <laughs> right. Before right. They it'll make it'll be interesting. It'll be mm -hmm. interesting. So, for sure. And I, I know that race is not screamed. But I talked to Jason from the Dirt Kings, and he said there will be someone there videotaping it. So okay. maybe we can, maybe they'll be able to have, maybe we'll have access to that after the fact. I'm not really sure. I hope so because I'm not going to be able to make it to that. I'd love to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what else I agree. Got? And uh, uh, the Mars race, Fairbury. I mean, how can you not put Fairbury on a must see event? So, uh, you know, and, you know, we talked about the Mars series earlier in the show and I mean, they put on a good show. I mean, they have some quality drivers that race that, that series. So, and like I said, when you put Fairbury into the mix, I mean, <laughs> and, and no, woo. there's no woo going on. So you're going to see mm -hmm. some of them guys too. And now uh, what do you got for your third one? Um, and I would, I would put the two Lucas oil races just because, um, you know they were off for a little bit so they're getting back into the 
into the into racing again so those are my my three events <laughs> there you go so i i'm starting with the mars races of course uh two illinois hot spots you got farmer city who obviously they have great racing over there and then i mean falls i mean that place is unbelievable and bold prediction bold prediction right now i'm making a bold prediction it's not in our picks but i'm making a bold prediction rocket one is going to win both that's that's my bold prediction of the week right there will he be racing a rocket one i i bet he might be in the five he might be in the five <laughs> but uh so yeah Brand <laughs> will win both. That's a good point. I better I better go ahead. Yeah, if he's in the five, I would be wrong. So Brandon Shepherd is gonna win both. Now I agree on the Lucas races. I'm looking forward to them. One locally, I'm really excited. They're getting back in action. Is the Halberd Line Speedway, Proctor Speedway, Proctor, Minnesota. They're back in action this Sunday night. They had a year off last year due to COVID. They had practice. I heard the track was in good shape on Sunday. So they have Wasota Late Models, Mods, Super Stocks, Midwest Mods, and then they got Piers and Hornets Sunday night. If you can't make it there in person, which hopefully you can, but if you can't, watch DRC.TV. Dirt Race Central will have the action. That's where I'm going to be catching it for sure. And I had the Lucas Oil on there as well, but I'm going to go with the World of Outlaws. Keith pointed something out to me. So the World of Outlaws, they're heading to Pennsylvania, Bert. So if you think about it, you got the Pennsylvania Posse, versus the world of outlaws and he says keep an eye on lance deweese because he he doesn't remember what race it was but it, i think there was a race lance deweese stole one from all them guys and and won so that is i mean that's kind of a rivalry right there in the in the sprint car world that pennsylvania posse versus the woo guys so i'm kind of looking forward to that swing and of course williams grove is a iconic sprint car track so i'm looking forward to that racing action over there and then uh you know there's there's just a ton of racing i mean there's so much racing going on you know get to a track uh, if you can't make it to a track we'll post somewhere whether it's on facebook or whatever kind of a a list so to speak of all the different races that you can go to or watch online but Bert, and, there's a ton of them i mean just to prove the point of how much racing there is going on in our top three events we don't even have the castro night of racing in america right that's on <laughs> which we normally do <laughs> yeah, and there's two races on wednesday right the world of outlaws the sprint cars race on wednesday and and that's a good field of cars jeff told me i think you might have mentioned it too that uh kyle larson has it on, on his schedule that he's looking like he might be there on wednesday so i mean it's going to be good there's a lot of racing we're, we're into that time of the year that there's no shortage on racing at all um, there's, if you can't make it to one, there's plenty online. There's a lot of racing happening. So, so Bert, anything else you want to add here in episode 79? No, I mean, we, we covered a lot tonight. Um, well, I should add that, um, our first issue of full throttle magazine will be, well, it's at the printer right now. So it'll be released later this week. So, uh, uh, this is a, uh, uh, the one to go show exclusive this is a copy of the of the cover of this issue so uh nice <laughs> nice check it out check it out it's always good to racing coverage it's always good whether you're watching it listening to it reading it being there it don't matter all racing all the time and and uh race fans especially in the wasota area right in eastern wisconsin 
brand new power rankings coming out tomorrow. So check out the power rankings with all this racing action going on. There's a little bit of change and uh, some people climbing their way to the top and some people kind of got kicked to the curb, but you'll have to check out those shows to find out who. So I'm Ryan Aho. That is, again, the one and only Bert Lehman. And uh, as Puka always says, thanks for tuning in. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.